You know, I focus on one step at a time. I try and break everything down for one step and it, it keeps things from getting too wild and jumbled in my head. From Digital Horsemanship, this is Finding the Feel. I'm your host, Caitlin Hurst. Hey everyone, all right, it's time for another great guest, bringing us some serious value from the cow horse industry. When she steps into the show pen, the crowd has already filled their seats. The other competitors are at the gate, ready to watch. It genuinely feels like everyone is rooting for her, and you can feel her focus, her determination, but it's her love and her joy for the sport that stands out. In fact, you'll probably find a few pictures of her out there smiling as she's making those turns. She has a list of great achievements, the most remembered of which is probably her 2015 Reserve Championship at the Snafflebit Futurity aboard Plain Wright, where the pair scored a 228 down the fence. Erin Tormino is not only a great horsewoman, but a loving mother to her son, Wesley. Together, her and her husband, Anthony, can only be described as a power couple running their training business out of Texas. Erin, thank you for being here. So I want to start about you. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What gets you in the saddle on those tough days or the days where you're tired? You know, I think it's the goals that I have set. I want to succeed. I want to have a successful business. I want to have successful horses. I want my customers to, su- to succeed. And that's what keeps me going. Even on the tough days, I, I just want to, it's not proving anything, but I want to maybe prove to myself that, you know, I can reach those goals that I've set for me. And, and every day, you know, it's, it's a new set of goals maybe for that day, but I also look to the, the big picture and where I want to be at the end of the day. So that's what keeps me going. So what are some of those goals? Um, I want to be the the biggest one is I want to be a million dollar rider, hands down. I want to be there with some of those top guys that are a million and two million dollar riders. That's that's probably my biggest goal, absolutely. And so every day when you come out thinking about that goal, what does that look like on a day to day basis? You know, I don't know if I focus solely on that goal every day. It's always there. It's always in my mind. Daily, I focus on just me, myself being a little better that day, perfecting if I have an issue, not necessarily with one horse, but with myself, you know, perfecting the small things that, that I want to make myself better, which in turn will make my horses better. So you started out, you were from Canada and you moved out to Texas. You loped cutters for a while. You worked for a few trainers and then you ended up working for Ron Rawls, which was the first time you had worked with rain cow horses. Yes. Tell us a little bit about how that happened and what that journey was like. You know, I just, I fell into a job with Ron Rawls. He ended up being at the same ranch where I was working. He needed help. And, and I love, I loved being around Ronnie. He's obviously an incredible horseman. He's, he's one of the best. And I was very fortunate to get a job with him. And it was amazing. He taught me, he taught me so much. He taught me all the basics and the foundation. And I think a lot of consistency that is my program now. What's one of the things that you've learned from him or something that he's told you that's really stuck with you? I think the thing that has stuck with me the most that he told me was start to finish, be consistent, whether it be good or bad, just you yourself be consistent. And then as you grow with your horses and with your program, the more consistent you are, the easier it will be to tweak your program here and there because your horses will have such a good, strong foundation from, from the consistency. And, and that's, I think that's one of the biggest things I took away from him. Break that down a little bit for us. What does consistency look like in practice? Um, For me, consistency is just making sure I ask them 
when I ask them to do a maneuver, I am, I ask them to do it the same way every time, you know, and everybody has a different way of doing stuff, but make sure that I, myself, when I ask them to turn around, I ask them to turn around this way. Don't change it daily. So they know when I do this, this is what they do. Can you give us an example? So maybe a horse that's come along in, in recent years, and maybe there was something you're trying to solve with them or a place you were trying to get to. And, you know, I think a, a good example for me is, is I struggled with a turnaround and, and consistently starting that turnaround or, or getting my horses to consistently start that turnaround. And, and I was really insecure about how I would get them to do stuff. So I, every day I would, I would change it up a little bit. And it hasn't been until, till recently where I feel like, okay, my horses, I know when I do this, they will do this because every day prior to that, prior to figuring, figuring it out, I would change up a little bit. I would, I would never ask them the same way twice. And pretty quick, I would go horse show. And I never knew what I was going to get when I went and horse showed because I was never consistent at home. So they, they couldn't be consistent in the show pen. And it took me a long time. I focused honestly more on myself in a situation like that than my horse, because I knew if I got myself solid and consistent, they would get better. And, and it worked. I mean, I quit worrying about what they were or were not doing and worked on myself every time I would look at my hands or I would think about where my feet were. And every time I did that, you know, I was not even realizing some of the stuff I was doing and turn creating a problem that didn't even really need to be created by being completely oblivious to what I was maybe doing in that moment. And when I kind of got that ironed out, you know, that, that turnaround started to fall, fall into place and my horses got way more consistent and would start, be more confident, start smoother and smoother, none of the herky jerky in between. And that's just one example of, you know, just getting to be solid in, in a maneuver. Sounds like that requires a lot of self-awareness. Very much so. How yeah. do you keep that kind of mentality? You know, it's easy to focus on the horse and not on it, yourself. It is, it is super easy because sometimes it's easy to point the finger while they're not doing this. And I have learned through a lot of mistakes and uh, watching a lot of bad videos, I misdiagnosed it. You know, I, the horse is being bad. Well, no, you know, if I wouldn't have done that, that probably wouldn't have happened there. So I, um, a lot of times I'll have Anthony or Sarah, you know, maybe shoot little videos and I'll watch it back. Cause you know, I don't, I feel it, what, what I feel and what is seen are two different things. And by making a lot of mistakes, I have learned to make sure I am aware of all of my appendages, my hands, my feet, you know, what I am doing. And a lot of times it came back to something I was doing to create that problem. You know, not every time, but a lot of times I had to make myself and I've tried to be really diligent on being self-aware of what I'm doing. Were there any in what taking this practice on and watching your videos back and being so focused on yourself, were there anything like little quirks that you noticed that you did consistently? Is there something in particular? Not, not, I don't, I can't think of anything really in particular that I did, but just, I think there was times where I was really unaware where I thought I was pulling a certain way, or I thought I was using my leg and I watched the video back and, and I really wasn't doing what I thought I was doing or, you know, practicing fence work. I thought I was watching my cow and Anthony would video me and I was clearly taking my 
eye off the cow. He would, you know, he would say like, you got to watch your cow and the rest of that will take care of itself. And we would argue. <laughs> I'm like, I'm I watching my cow. And he's like, um, no, you are not. And, and I would be, you know, kind of bowed up and stubborn and he would video it. And I would begrudgingly watch the video back and see glaringly that I was not doing what I thought I was doing. And it's humbling videos and moments and times like that where, where one may think they're doing something and they're not. And you can't blame your equine partner necessarily because, you know, you got to make sure that you're dotting your own eyes and crossing your own T's before you can point blame at them. Yep. It's probably good advice to, uh, husbands and, and partners alike to maybe take a video of it. So you don't yeah. have to be the one yeah, to tell them yeah. you can show them. Those are real humbling conversations. <laughs> um, to that point on consistency as well, because you said something about being consistent, whether you're doing it right or not necessarily doing it the best way. At what point do you look at it and say, okay, I've been doing it this way and it's not getting where I want it to be and changed up. Like what's the catalyst to changing in the way you're being consistent? I think if you, if you just wholeheartedly, you know, if something's not working, video it, you know, and do that for a little while and make sure, you know, you're, you're being consistent with yourself and you're asking your horse consistently and, and just kind of, like I said, dot your I's and cross your T's that way, make sure everything, you know, you're doing what you think you're doing in that situation and give it, give it a little time. And if it is not progressing the way, you know, I don't think with a horse, there's any, you can't put a set time on it. It's every, there's such individuals, but I think you can feel, you know, I'm do, I've been doing this and doing this and it's not working and it should be working by now. What's it going to hurt? Change it. But when you change it, try to be consistent in the way you change it, then continue to don't change it daily. You know, give yourself a few days, give yourself three days, four days. I don't know. You know, give yourself some time, some longevity to the change before you jump on another bandwagon. I think you can't change stuff every day and be like, that didn't work. Throw that out. Do this. That didn't work. Throw that. You know, I think you got to give yourself a little bit of longevity. And like I said, every horse is different. You don't, you might see a big change when you, if, if something's not working and you switch, you might see a big change in a day, but also it might take a couple of days of diagnosing the problem and, and just give this, give this new situation a little bit of time. And usually it works itself out. A lot of videoing though. A lot of videoing really helps. Yeah. So. I like that approach. I ride by myself a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I bought a little tripod yep. and my GoPro. And so I set it on there and yep. then I can watch it back on my phone <laughs> while I'm doing it. What am I doing? That's yeah. not, that's, that's not, not what right. I thought was happening. I'm real sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Those are very humbling. <laughs> yep. Um, so going back to your time with Ron, any fun stories from there that stand out to you? I don't, man, we worked, I worked for him for about four and a half years. I don't know that there's any one in particular, but what makes me laugh every time I think of Ron is, is, uh, his sayings he would have. And I know uh, you're going to ask me about a particular saying, but I don't, I don't have just one, but gosh, he would come up with some of the most hilarious sayings or, you know, just stuff that he would just blurt out would just make you laugh out loud. I mean, he, he was, he was a great guy to work for. I, I loved it. It was entertaining every day. So that's for sure. Fantastic. We'll have to keep our ears out for some <laughs> of those things. I think he was just on uh, cow horse full contact, the yes. new podcast that Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday are doing. So maybe, maybe he gave us some tips in there. We <laughs> might have to go listen to that one and see. And then you went and worked for Todd Bergen. Yes. Tell us about that transition. It was great. It, 
was probably the polar opposite of working for Ron. When I worked for Ron, he was very hands-on with us, you know, and when we went to work for Todd, it was kind of, here you go, throw you to the wolves, you know, which is also, I think you need both sides. You know, when I was working for Ron, I was, I was really, really, really green. And so he needed to basically be there for me every step of the way. And then I went to work for Todd and he was like, well, here you go. Good luck. You know, <laughs> what was that like the first time you did that? That was very scary. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I hung myself out to dry quite, quite a few times, but I also think, um, the learning curve was greater and I, I learned more as far as advancing a horse, um, deeper into their, maybe their three-year-old year, their four-year-old year and that sort of thing. So it, it, both of them had very positive learning curves. Um, Todd's was probably a little more scary because you were able to make a lot more mistakes and then had to figure out how to fix it. Tell us about one of those moments. Um, I would say probably one of the biggest moments was when one day Todd decided he wanted to get on. I don't, I can't even remember what horse it was, but get on a horse and it, he got on it and it went real bad. And, um, he fought with it for quite a while. I remember and, and gave it back to me and told me I needed to fix that. And I was like, but how, <laughs> I don't know how to fix this. And that, that was a really, I, I mean, it's a hard moment because you think you're on the right path or you're doing something right. And, and somebody else gets on it and it doesn't operate the way you think it should operate. I mean, it's a very humbling, very, very big learning curve, but it's what, what you need if, if you want to get better in this business. So, I mean, I asked a lot of questions, probably asked a lot more questions after that. Didn't think that I had it figured out and, and it, I mean, it worked out that happened a lot, but every time it happened, I think it got a little better. So that was good. But I learned, I learned to ask a lot more questions then after that. That's one of the biggest things you learned from being, from your time at Todd Bergen's. I would say one of the biggest things I learned from him was, you know, you can teach your horse, but then you got to let them show you what they know. Don't keep your thumb on them all the time. Let them make the mistake and let, let them make the mistake all the way. And then you can always go back and fix it. Don't keep your thumb on them, so to speak. Don't try to micromanage, you know, uh, you, you can show them what to do and make, you know, give them the confidence that they can do it and then just go do it. Let them be broke if they're going to be broken. If they're not, then fix it. But I would say probably not to micromanage and let them, let them show you what they know every day, come out every day with a fresh mind and fix what happens. Don't try to prevent what you think is going to happen. What kind of difference does that make in your horse? I think it gives back to the confidence thing. I think, I think it gives that horse at the end of the day, more confidence because you're not micromanaging. You're not keeping your thumb on them, telling them that they're doing it wrong all the time, or that you're telling them they're wrong before they even do the mistake, you know, let them make the mistake and then you can reel it all back in and fix it or be prepared for it for the next time. I think it just, it helps really build confidence when it comes time to go horse show. Anything, any lessons or any other, anything that Todd said to you? Anything specific that stands out in your mind? I mean, nothing, nothing specific. I, the biggest thing, you know, that I can think of that he, that I learned, took away from him was just that, you know, let those horses show you what they know. Yep. Don't micromanage, let them, let them show you what they know and fix it if it's not right. So then from Todd's, you guys went out on your own. Yep. We went to Gardner Quarter Horses in Kansas. What was that transition like? How did that Anything you'd like to share, of course, about how that came about and what you were feeling going into it. You know, that was, it was, it was really scary. I don't know 
that we were ready to go out. I don't, or that I was ready to go out on my own. I think I still had a lot to learn. I think now looking back, I mean, do you ever really know if you're, if you're ready to go out on your own until you take that leap and go do it? Um, it was really tough. It was, there was a really big learning curve. I had never really prepared a horse for myself to go horse show. So there was a great big gray area there that I had no idea what to do. And so I, I, for a long time, I felt like I kind of floundered around and, you know, was struggling to find my way, but there was a lot of really good people behind me. And I could ask a, a lot of people that I trusted questions all the time, you know, and I just had to figure out what worked for me. And that was that, that's the hardest learning curve. I think when somebody, after coming out of two really solid programs, you learn to do the program for that person or that fits them, but then you have to take those programs and you have to make them fit yourself. And I think, um, that was the hardest struggle for me was just finding, tweaking their programs and finding what worked for me, especially in preparation to go horse show. That was, that was my biggest struggle. But it was the next year that you went to Snaffle Bit, yeah. correct? Yes. And you ended up getting reserve. Yep. You ended up beating Todd. Yep. How, what was that like? I mean, that's, it was, it was so gratifying because it, it just solidified a little bit in my head that I was on the right path and that, that I, that I could do this. I mean, I know those runs don't happen every day, but, but in my mind at that moment, it solidified that, you know what, you, you can compete and there are going to be rough times, but at the end of the day, you, you are on the right path and, and just keep, keep your head down and keep working and, and it will work out. So let's talk about that snuffle bit for a little bit. You get there, you have your time to start preparing. The prelims are coming up. What are you thinking about? What are you feeling? You know, it's, that was such a long time ago. I know. I mean, I knew I had a really nice horse. I did. I, did I think he was the best horse? Probably not. You know, there's so many great horses there. Um, but he was a nice horse. And every time I just, I went and horse showed, I, I really just tried to focus on being clean, being correct and, and, and putting a nice run together. I didn't necessarily expect to put a 228 on the board, you know, that, that fit perfect that day. But in my mind, I just remember thinking if I can stay focused and stay calm and, and do what I know to do, do my job and do it correctly, that, that we could put some, some nice runs together. And is there anything that you do for yourself to kind of keep that focus? Any habits? Do you like quiet time before you go show? Are you kind of one of the chattier, like to socialize? What, what's that like for you? I mean, I, for me, I probably get in my own head and sometimes maybe that's not a good thing, but I'm learning to, to try to, you know, focus. I focus on individual maneuvers or, or individual pieces to a run. I try not to focus on the, on a run as a whole. You know, I focus on one step at a time. I try and break everything down for one step and it, it keeps things from getting too wild and jumbled in my head or getting too excited or too nervous about, I hope this run goes great and entailing the whole situation. I'm like, okay, we're going to go in and, and I am going to take each maneuver as it comes, be it the fence work or the herd work or, or the rain work. I just try to break it down and keep it simple and focus on me thinking my way through the run myself. If, if I can think myself through a run, everything else I feel like will fall into place. So is that something you actually do? You actually sit back before you go show and visualize the run? I visualize parts of the run, like 
I'll go over, I'll go over, you know, you obviously know whether it's the fence work or the herd work or the raining, what, what a run, a great run should look like every, you know, everybody has that picture in their head, but I break the runs down for the raining. You know, I break each maneuver down. I walk into the arena and then I lope off. And then I get to the middle and run, you know, do a circle. And then after the circles, I focus on the lead change and I break it down that simple. So I don't get so much going on in my head that, that pretty quick, it's just a blur. And it's the same thing when I go for the fence work, you know, I trot in and I think about stopping my horse in the middle of the arena and I break it down so simple that I tell myself just to watch my cow because there's nothing else you're going to do in that moment. Right. If you watch your cow and, and you just relax what's going to happen is going to happen. You can't train anymore. You can't school. You can't, I watch my cow and try and keep it as simple as possible. Thank you for listening to another episode of finding the feel. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook to join the conversation, subscribe in your favorite podcast app to catch the next episode. And if you've enjoyed this one, please share with a friend. It's very much appreciated until next time. Thank you.